Beloved, I have good news for you this morning regarding your life of prayer. And the good news for you this morning is that prayer, just like every other single part of your life in Jesus Christ, your life of prayer is God's gracious gift to you. If there's anything that you walk out of this sermon series that we've been um, um, doing these uh, weeks of Advent, and of which today is the last sermon, if there's anything that you remember about these sermons, let it be this. Your life of prayer is not a work that you perform in order to please God out of your own resources, your own strength. Rather, your life of prayer is a gift that you receive like every other gift in your life from the hand of your Father. Prayer, friends, is not something that you stir up inside of yourself. Rather, prayer is a description of the eternal ongoing fellowship that exists within the triune God. As the Son fellowships with the Father by the power of the Spirit, it is something that you step into, something that is already happening, that you merely participate in by that same Holy Spirit which Jesus Christ has poured out upon you and his church. You see, prayer is not something that begins with you. It doesn't start with your decision to pray or your action or you setting aside five minutes or whatever it is. No, prayer properly understood is something that is already happening. It's always happening because there is one who always is praying. The Son is continually interceding for you and for me and for his whole church. He is communing with his Father on that way. He is interceding for us always. And by God's grace, the Spirit poured out on us that we might enter into his life of prayer, the life of prayer of the righteous man which availeth much, the one who is always interceding at the right hand of God. Beloved, prayer is a gift that you receive, not a work that you perform. Because you never pray alone. Not once in your entire life have you ever prayed by yourself. You always pray in and with and through Jesus, the one who always prays for you. Friends, Jesus Christ lives forever in heaven for us, and he lives for this reason, the New Testament tells us, that he might continually intercede for all those who draw near to God through him. Remember what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And that is true, friends, not only for the forgiveness of your sins, not only for your eternal salvation, but also for every prayer you have ever prayed. It all is through Christ. It is not on your own. For it is in Him, in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ, that all things hold together. All things, including our very words, our petitions to God Himself. This morning we've heard already from Genesis 32 where Jacob wrestles with the Lord at the ford of Jabbok. It's a dramatic picture there of how God is inviting and calling his children to wrestle with him in the context of prayer. We hear it also from the New Testament where the writer to the Hebrews tells us that Jesus himself 
wrestled with his father in prayer and how it was through that wrestling that he actually learned obedience and was made mature. And finally, we heard the teaching of our Lord Jesus himself in the Gospel of Luke, where he tells that remarkable parable about what it means to persist in prayer. For my money, this passage in Luke 18 is one of the most fascinating portions of all of the teaching of Jesus. And we'll hear it again now as it is our sermon text. It bears careful listening and consideration. Listen now once more to God's word, his holy and inerrant word as it comes to us from Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8. This section is printed on the back of your order of worship if you'd like to follow along there. Consider now the words of our Lord. And Jesus told them, that is the disciples, a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while the judge refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Thus far, the reading of God's word. It is absolutely true, and it is given to you because your Father in heaven loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of all of our hearts would be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We ask this, that you would do this by your Spirit, in and with and through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The parable that we just heard from Luke's Gospel is unusual um, in, in several ways, but, but certainly in this way, because Luke surprisingly tells us the meaning of the parable in the introduction that he gives to it. That's not typical. Usually Jesus' parables are just stated um, there in the text. Luke tells us, though, what this parable is about, what it is for. He says, and Jesus told them a parable to the effect, right, that's supposed to produce this effect, that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Jesus then goes on and tells this story, this kind of strange story about an unjust judge, an unrighteous judge who doesn't fear God, doesn't respect man, who cares nothing about justice, and a widow who has suffered long um, from some kind of um, um, difficulty, some kind of um, wrong that has been done to her that she needs justice for. 
And the judge, this unrighteous judge, is the only one, apparently, who can give it to her. So in the story, the widow continually cries out to the judge for justice until finally he relents and hears her and does what she asks. It's, it's a fascinating story. This, this widow who was powerless, right? She wrestles through her supplication, through her cries, through her words with the powerful judge. And in the end, over time, through all of those words, through her continual coming to him, as Luke puts it, the widow wins the battle, so to speak. She prevails. She is successful. She receives that for which she asks. And then Jesus explains the parable to his listeners. He says, essentially, arguing from the lesser to the greater, if this unrighteous judge... If even this unrighteous judge, right, he's, he's painted kind of the worst scenario. If even this unrighteous judge can be overwhelmed by the petitions of a persistent but really functionally powerless widow, then will not God give justice to his elect, to his people, to his children who cry out to him day and night? He says, yes. He will give them justice. He will give them justice speedily. He will listen to them and answer their cry. And then Jesus concludes his teaching with this question, a question that should stick with us, a question that should follow us, as all the questions of Jesus should. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Essentially, Will he find this kind of persistent petitioning of God? Will he find that? You see, what Jesus seems to be saying is that the proof of our faith, the evidence of our hope is expressed at least in this way, that we continue to cry out to God again and again, day and night, persistently, patiently, until he gives us what we ask for until he answers our prayer, until he gives us justice. And the fullness of what we are asking for in all of our prayers, whatever those prayers are, will only be found in this way, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and power to bring justice in its fullness. That is what we are longing for. That's what all of our prayers are about. That's why Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Because all of our prayers ultimately are about our longing for his coming. This is why the fundamental Christian prayer is disclosed in the final words of the scriptures. Come soon, Lord Jesus, the Apostle John says. And, and thereby he sums up all Christian prayer in a sentence. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Jesus. This is the petition, the heartbeat that is behind every single prayer that we pray. All of them are fulfilled in that petition. For it is only in the coming of the Son of Man that all the good things, all the justice, all the righteousness, all the faithfulness that we long for will finally and fully be given to us. Now, what Jesus is teaching us in this parable is, I think, one of the deepest mysteries of the kingdom of God. And that mystery is this. 
God is always calling his children to persevere in their prayers, to persevere even in the face of apparently unanswered prayer, that they might learn, as Jesus says here, to pray always and to not lose heart, to not give up hope. The examples of this dynamic in the scriptures are countless. Friends, you may believe that you know what it is to pray for things and not receive them, and I'm, I'm certain that that's true in your life. But that dynamic did not begin with you. It is the common experience of the people of God. You might even say that God is doing it not arbitrarily, but on purpose, that he has an intention behind it. Consider Abraham and Sarah, of course, who waited decades, who certainly prayed and interceded with God for decades before the birth of their son Isaac. Consider Hannah, who endured years of infertility, who poured out her heart at the tabernacle before the Lord heard her prayer. Consider David, who wandered in the wilderness and suffered under the persecution of Saul, asking the Lord. We have those prayers written out for us in the Psalms, prayers that he spoke asking for God's vindication again and again and again, and yet years and years and years passed before he saw any evidence that they would be answered. Consider Job, who lost everything, his loved ones, his property, his health, and cried out for God to give him answers, answers that God never really even fully revealed to him. Consider Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, those prophets of old, who spoke of, of future works of God's redemption that would take place, that they never saw with their own eyes. Right? They lived themselves in times of great suffering and difficulty. They never saw what they prophesied in terms of the return from exile and God keeping his promises to his people. Consider Daniel, who prayed three times a day for years and years in Babylon, asking for the Lord to bring about an end to the exile of his people, and never experienced it until the very end of his life before he was about to die. Consider Zechariah and Elizabeth, who waited years and years for the birth of their son, how John was only finally given to them in their old age, when they only had a short time remaining. If there's one thing that is consistent about the biographies, about the life stories of the saints of the scriptures, it is that all of their lives are marked by years of praying for things that they did not receive, by praying prayers that seemed to be unanswered and praying them again and again. This is not just your experience. This is the experience of the people of God throughout time. Indeed, the Apostle James tells us that is actually just in this way, this particular way, that the Old Testament saints are examples for us. They are examples, he says, in patience and in perseverance, in prayer, and waiting on the promises of God. James writes, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. 
as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Not we receive, we consider those blessed who received everything they asked for immediately because they had enough faith to get it from God. No, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard, James says, of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how he is compassionate and merciful. Beloved, I know that to speak of this topic, to speak of unanswered prayers, is a deeply sensitive and tender thing to do. I get that. It's among the most sensitive and tender topics that a pastor can address from the Word of God because it touches on the deepest places of our hearts, the things that we most long for, and the gap that we experience between our present experience and what we, what we desire, what we believe God has promised to us. And I not to acknowledge in this moment, for you who are in this room this morning, that I know that there are things that you have prayed for, good things. I know that there are people that you have prayed for, whom you love. I know that there are desires that you have offered to God again and again for a very long time without receiving a clear answer to those prayers. I know that. And I know it is difficult to speak of these things, and yet we must acknowledge that this is something that all of us know about, all of us experience in some way. And it is incredibly hard. It's one of the hardest things that God asks us to do, to wait in patience, to persist in prayer, even when he does not seem to be giving us the thing that we're asking him for. But beloved, I want you also to see from God's word that the tension, that the difficulty that you experience in that place as you persist with God in prayer is something that you share in common with all of God's people throughout history, throughout the world today. This is what it means to be a child of God. He will he will deal with you in this way. And that's because our relationship with God, friends, in prayer is not just some kind of spiritual transaction, some kind of barter that we enter into with God. That's not the way it works. It's not just a matter of, you know, saying the right words in our prayers that will unlock the outcome. It's not a matter of doing enough good deeds so that God will be pleased with us or giving enough money or purifying our lives in the right way so that God will do what we ask him for. No, it's just not how it works. That's not who our God is. That's not the kind of relationship that he wants with us. He wants us to grow as his children. He wants us to grow in maturity. He wants us to grow in hope and faith and love. Now, friends, believe me, I cannot map out for you why some of your particular prayers have not been answered. I can't do that. I don't have that kind of insight into the providence of God or his intentions or purposes. Uh, I don't have an algorithm that will solve that equation. I, I, I don't have a proof text that will answer that question. 
But I do know this, beloved, I know it with all the authority of God's word and the teaching of our Lord Jesus himself. I know this about your situation, that in the midst of your unanswered prayers, your father is calling you to do something. He is calling you to keep praying and to not lose heart. That's what he's asking you to do to remain steadfast in your faith and in your hope and in your love. And I'm confident that your Father is calling you to do this, to continue in your prayers, to continue in your dependence upon Him, continue in pouring out your desires before Him. And I believe that He's doing this because He is requiring you to wrestle with Him, because He wants you to grow in maturity, he doesn't want you to stay immature. He wants you to grow up. And this is the way that obedience is learned. This is the way that maturity happens. Through waiting on the promises of God and persisting patiently in our hope. Remember, beloved, the words of the Apostle Paul. He taught us saying this, Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees or for what he already has, we might say. But if we hope for what we do not see or what we do not yet currently possess, we wait for it with patience. You see, it is precisely in the place where we do not yet see those things that we pray for, where we do not yet possess them, that we learn what it is to hope. Because hope is putting our confidence in the goodness of God, not once, but again and again with persistence and patience. Indeed, in many ways, hope is simply what faith looks like over a long period of time. Right? Hope is, is faith stretched out over the years, faith that grows in maturity, faith that grows in confidence. But friends, if we're honest, our hope is not as strong as we wish it was, or it should be. In the face of this kind of difficulty, this kind of hardship, unanswered prayer for years, we're tempted to give up. I know that. We're tempted to grow cynical about the character of God. We're tempted to stop praying to walk away. And it is in this place, friends, where we must remember that the hope that we need, the hope that we require to sustain our faithful, patient prayers over the years of our lives is not something that we find within ourselves. It is not something that comes from our rational commitment to the truth. No, our only shot, the only chance we have at continuing in hope to pray with perseverance and patience is by remembering that we do not and we have never prayed alone. That our life of prayer is not something we do by ourselves. Beloved, all of your life, all of it, your Lord Jesus has been praying for you. From before you were born, he has been interceding for you. But fascinatingly, 
his prayers did not begin with you. No, no, for 2,000 years now, ever since he ascended to God's right hand, Jesus has been praying continually, always, for two millennia. He's been praying just as he taught us to pray, that his Father's kingdom would come, that his Father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we look around the world today, and we, we might wonder, what's the deal, right? We've been praying for this. The church has been praying for it. Jesus has been praying for it. For two millennia, for the Father's will to be done, for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And believe me, Jesus Christ knows the tension of the prayers that he offers and the outcome right now on earth. Jesus sees, he knows all the ways in which those faithful prayers have not yet been fulfilled. He sees every act of wickedness and oppression. He sees every injustice that is done, all of it. Jesus Christ knows the suffering of his church. It's why he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me when he confronts him on the road? Jesus sees the ways that evil and sin and death continue to seem the whole, to hold the field in the world around us. Friends, what I want you to see is that this tension that we experience in our prayers is not one that our Lord Jesus himself is exempt from. But in the face of all of that, do you know what our Lord Jesus keeps on doing? He fulfills the parable that he told. He keeps praying. He does not lose heart. He keeps interceding. He keeps praying. He keeps saying to the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And our Lord Jesus continues to pray the prayers and the Psalms that he himself wrote, saying to his Father, And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you, he says to his Father. For you, O Lord, he says, are my hope and my trust. O Lord, for my youth I have trusted in you, for I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Our Lord Jesus continues to place his hope in God, even in the tension of the way in which the prayers that he prays are not yet completely fulfilled. Beloved, in calling you to persist in your prayers, by calling you to be patient, by calling you to continue in hope, Jesus Christ does not ask you to do anything that he does not do himself. He does not ask you to do anything that he does not do himself. It's remarkable. And believe me, friends, the eternal hope in his Father, it does not fail. He feels all that tension that we feel, all the gap that we feel between the way things are and the way they ought to be. And yet he continues to hope in God. And so, beloved, as you pray in the weakness of your prayers, the weakness of your hope, remember this. You don't pray alone.
You've never prayed alone. Not once in your entire life have you prayed by yourself, for Jesus Christ always prays for you. And it is in his firm hope, his unshakable confidence in the Father, his never losing heart, that you are able to pray the prayers that God gives to you. Because prayer is not a work you perform. It is a gift that you receive from God. And when you pray with your eternal high priest, when you enter, enter into his intercession for you on your behalf, you are invited to depend on him, to depend on his hope and faith in God. What would it look like, friends, for you to take your unanswered prayers to God, not in your own strength, though strength of your hope, of your confidence, of your faith, but rather by depending upon the confidence and trust and hope that our Lord Jesus has in your place. That's exactly how I would encourage you to pray. To go to the Father and say, Father, I am offering you this desire, this petition, not on my own, but I'm taking it to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of your Son. And by giving it to you in the name of Jesus, I'm depending on his faith, on his hope, on his persistence, his trust in your goodness and your steadfast love when my hope is weak. To say to God, honestly, I can't keep praying for this on my own. I need help. But I know that I never pray alone, and so I'm going to keep praying this prayer in the name of Jesus, who prays for me. What if we prayed like that? Beloved, it is only as we pray in union with Jesus, the one who never, never, never grows weary in his prayers, the one who never gives up, the one who never loses heart, that we will learn to pray with a hope that does not fail. And remember what our Lord Jesus believes. Remember what he says. Will God not give justice to his elect, to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Friends, he is saying that not only about you, but about himself. Will God delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. And it is the same Jesus who says to us today, who keeps saying to us, through all the years of his intercession, he is saying this. He is saying, do not lose hope, beloved, for surely I am coming soon. Soon. Amen. Come soon, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, indeed, we commit ourselves into your hands, not by our own strength of faith or hope, but in and with and through your Son, the one who intercedes for us. May we pray, Father, in his name, with persistence, with faith, with hope, not losing heart, for we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.